The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In a storied career spanning three decades, my next guest excelled in the ranks of the Irish Defence Forces. In her new book, which is called A Woman in Defence, subtitled A Soldier's Story of the Enemy Within the Irish Army, she chronicles both the highs and the lows. So I'm joined in studio by retired Defence Forces Company Quartermaster Sergeant Corina Malloy. Corina, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat, and thanks for having me. Now, you were one of the pioneers in terms of the uh, uh, enlisted females in the Irish Army. When did the ambition to join the Army crystallise in your head as a, as a young person? Um, as a young person, um, I, I was a tomboy, uh, two, two brothers uh, dodging their, their, their um, attacks and beating me up. And so I had to learn to defend myself very quickly. And I was brought up watching, my father was an avid uh, John Wayne fan and so westerns and war movies. I just grew up with all of them. And then I guess when I realised when my my brother joined the Irish Army and then and only then did I realise that I had such a family history in, in, in different, different armies. My grandfather served in the, one grandfather served in the Irish Army, the other fa- uh, grandfather served in the British Army during the Second World War. He served in Burma. And then I discovered that my dad's brother was in an officer in the Royal Navy. Then I discovered that, <laughs> oh, oh, you have a you have a cousin in the British Army that served three tours in Northern Ireland. So I was, oh, okay, so yeah, so the army was sort of in our DNA and the blood. Now, at one point, um, it, not alone did you flirt with the idea, but you took practical steps to join the British forces. Uh, but you didn't, and there's a very good reason why you did not. Yes, yes. Um, it was an eye-opening reason. Um, I went full on to join the British Army because at this day, at that stage, there was wasn't a, even a rumor or a hint that the Irish uh, Department of Defence was going to enlist females. So off I went on a plane across to London, did my interview, and was getting on brilliant. Oh my! My grandfather was in the British Army. I have an uncle in the British Army. Great, great, brilliant, brilliant. And the last question was, oh, and by the way, where do you live in Ireland? I said, oh, I live in a little village called Ardra and it's an hour from the border. And they said, yeah, well, that's your problem there and then because it was the height of the 70s, height of the Troubles. And they said you would um, only get home maybe once a year if you're lucky because of the Troubles. And if you do get home, then a special branch will have to go go with you to protect you because you'd be a target. So I had to walk away from that. I wouldn't do that to my parents and a tough decision, but you saw the reality of what life yes. would have been like uh, for a member of the British Army in a border area at that time. Um, you ended up in a great job in UCD. I did. Well, it was. It, it, it sounded a great job on paper, but in reality wasn't that great. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, glorified um, cleaner and glorified, you know, to fix her up and preparing equipment for the clubs that would come into the UCD. Yeah, so it was, it was in a broad PE area. Yes, yes, yes. And while there, I mean, you could have gone on and a perk of UCD would have been that you could do a degree on any other course that was on offer. But then the Irish Army decided to do something. Yes, then the Irish Army decided to allow females to join under the banner of uh, a fantastic um, advertisement in the, in the local papers because the internet didn't exist then. And join the Women's Service Corps, become become the, one of the first females to join the Irish Defence Forces, but under the banner of, of the Women's Service Corps. But that mm. meant nothing to me. That I'd just seen army. 
Yeah. So, but anyway, you're going to do it. And, and your boss in UCD was able to tutor you in the answers to give and all of that when you went for your interview. You did it all. You came out in your own head with flying colours and then they turned you down. Yes, they turned me down. I was got it. And Even though you knew you'd done well in the interview. Yeah, well, I assumed I'd done you performed. well. I performed. I could answer all the questions. I was well tutored. My tutor made a, a phone call, found and talked to the sergeant that interviewed me and said, oh, no, 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 she's on the rejection pile. Um, three, three reasons. She was too well educated, knew too much about the Defence Forces and she definitely won't take orders very well. So you were turned down. <laughs> so I was turned down. Now, you make a confession in the book. Yes. First time ever. Yes. That you actually pulled a string and got yourself on the accepted rather than rejected list. Yes, I went within 48 hours, went from the ex- the rejected pile to the acceptance pile through talking to my main boss in UCD, who I had no idea that he was a retired officer. But he pulled a string pulled and a you string got in. And, I got and you in. felt guilty about that. You don't feel guilty now. No, no, I don't feel guilty now. Initially, of course, I did. You know, I, I took someone else's place. But I think my career um, could, could, you know, came out very well that I didn't waste the space that I took. You write about going into the army as the first cohort of enlisted females. To put it mildly, the army was not ready. <laughs> That's to put it kindly. Maybe. To put it very <laughs> kindly, yes, they, they, they weren't ready. And the, the classic, I suppose, that the most... A sounding um, revelation would be the fact that our our PT gear, they dressed us in a beautiful white tennis top, white tennis skirt and white tennis knickers. And we were running around the Curra camp in boots, white socks, white frilly knickers. And it was so humiliating. Now, a lot of what you write in the book, uh, you know, spanning the entire 31 year period is about misogyny in the Irish army. And you also write that for 27 of the 31 years, you suffered some sort of um, sexual abuse or sexual inappropriate sexual approaches and all of that. And that started at the very beginning. Yes, it, it, did, it didn't happen during training. We were muddy-colored and really taken care of during training. But when I went to, to, I volunteered, I made a classic mistake of what I was told, never volunteer, but I volunteered to go to become the first female to serve in the in army headquarters. And the first female walk in the corridors of army headquarters and part of the job for male and female uh, privates, because you're, you're the, the, the lower rung of, of the, the rank system. You had to make tea for, the, for uh, officers, just fair enough. But on this particular Saturday morning, I gave in, I knocked on the general's door. The officers at that time changed in, in their offices because there's no locker rooms. They changed in the office. So he said, yes, who is it? And I said, I announced my name and I have your cup of tea, sir. Can I come in? And he said, yes, 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 come in, come in. And there this man stood, a uh, little older than my father, stood in his wife fronts. And he made no attempt to quickly pull on his trousers or didn't show any embarrassment whatsoever. And I said, well, if he's not showing embarrassment or awkwardness, then I'm not either. And I gave him this cup of tea and said, good morning, sir, and left very quickly. So then I realised, oh, OK, so uh, this is the way it's going to go. Yeah. So many of the descriptions you give are about low-level bullying of you because you're female. You you write about in the Glen of Amal and you're about to head off and you're told you're going to lead the platoon. Yes, yes, I was given the task of leading the platoon because I, I guess 
They they just wanted to see how a woman would perform under pressure, wearing all the pack, the boots, you know, and, and carrying your own personal rifle. And off you go with a map and up you go up the mountain and lead lead your platoon into a, a section attack or whatever. So I said, that's fine. But they, they obviously never read my original file from my civilian life because I was actually a qualified mountaineer. So I was very, very comfortable in reading a map and off I went. But I made the classic mistake of not looking behind me to keep my troops together. So I went off very, very fast and very happy in my own world and not paying attention to what I was really supposed to be doing, taking care of the troops behind me. So so to to so we, we took a break. I had I, a runner came up and said, oh, you're to slow down, slow down. I said, oh, OK, I'll slow down. And then we slowed down and we sat and had a break. And then at, after the breaks, I, I was very, I was shocked and surprised that the, the, the uh, NCO came back up to me and said, OK, Malloy, continue to lead the, the platoon up the hill, up the mountain. So I said, oh, OK. And then within two seconds, he handed me and said, here, this will slow you down and gave me a GPMG. Now, GPMG is £24 in weight with the magazines. And so it's an extra... This will slow you down, and he smirks. You know, so what? It didn't. Yeah. But and the idea of mm. being faster and quicker than some of the enlisted men. Yes, yes. It just didn't look good that that the woman was was up there and leading. Now you served in Lebanon, and you know, on arrival there, again the same problem of a, a woman among men. Yes. My first trip to Lebanon, uh, it was it was exciting and it was wonderful. But unfortunately, uh, initially, our first 10 years service, the girls, only two, two of us or maybe three of us served together. And that that uh, uh, alone it's causes uh, internal stress. But then, yes, I, I most of my trips were summer were summer missions. So I always had my birthday overseas. So in this particular instance, I had my birthday, but I wasn't actually there for my work at colleagues to give me my lovely present. So when I came back off leave, I was brought in to, to a room, oh, come on in after work and come up and we'll have a few drinks to celebrate your birthday. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. Maybe they'll get me something really nice for, from the gold shop down, down the village or whatever. But uh, no, to my horror, my during the, the few drinks, they said, oh, yeah, we have a present for you. I have a present for you. Here you are. And I said, Okay, I'll open it later. And they said, No, 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 open it now. In a room full of men, open it now. So I opened it and it was a pair of frilly knickers and very, very saucy knickers. And in the most intimate area of the knickers was written and signed by my boss saying, Oh, I wish I was here. Now, this uh, continued a pattern, I suppose. You, you write about one of your uh, instructors, um, you know, a serious sexual assault being perpetrated by one of the instructors. Uh, and he boasted about the assault in the NCO's mess. Uh, he said the perpetrator, you know, he said, I gave Malloy a good groping in the pool yes. this morning. And then you reported that. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and the response. And the response was um, at that time I I had a lovely boyfriend, and they this was before texting and internet, no mobile phones. So I had met my boyfriend at lunchtime, explained what had happened, then went back to class, got in to see to report the incident, and was told, okay, if you decide Malloy to take this further we will have your boyfriend charged with assault because he has just assaulted this NCO. I didn't know. So this is a complete fiction. Yeah. So I didn't know whether it was true or not. 
So they said, OK, Malloy, we need an answer now. Are you going to take it further or not? Are you going to take it further or not? So I said, well, I'm not allowing my boyfriend, my then boyfriend, to get charged with assault. So I said, OK, I'll withdraw my complaint, but I will not uh, go swimming again for the rest of the course. And that was all I got. They said, that's fine. OK, now get out. Um, when you were passing out, the Irish Army Band played? <laughs> Thank heaven for little girls. <laughs> extraordinary. And extraordinary. And worse was um, the, the music from Annie Get Your Gun because we weren't allowed to carry weapons on our, on our passing out parade. We did weapons training. All the male recruits got to do arms drill, but we were only allowed to do foot drill. And the excuse was that with the skirts you were wearing, that the the weapon might, uh, you know, expose, tangle up with it. And, yes, yeah. expose ourselves. Yeah, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, as I said, right over twenty seven of the thirty one years, there was the only well of the thirty one, only four years free of any kind of sexual interference. Shall we say? Yes. Yeah. Basically, misogyny and and toxic behaviour and inappropriate touching and 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 microaggressions of constant innuendos about parts of my body and my part of my anatomy, which we everyone found very intriguing, was was my behind. I was voted you know, having the best rear in in one of the trips overseas, and they loved just walking, to walking or looking at me walk walking away. But to anyone else, it might seem like a compliment, but to have a constant, it's not a compliment. Yeah, and it does do damage to you. Did it ever begin to change? Um, I, you know, I, I thought it would change. I really thought it would change when I became a senior NCO. But I said, great, now I've become a senior NCO. I'll have respect now from, from my fellow senior NCOs and I'll be looked up, uh, looked upon as you have in respect. But, um, but unfortunately, it didn't. Now, we know because of the formation of Women of Honour that it just wasn't you. I mean, you weren't a single troublesome female. No, no. Yeah, yeah. the, the Women of Honour, when, when, I, when I got into that group, really highlighted that and, and made me, gave me great support and made me feel, oh, OK, great, I'm not alone here. This is brilliant. But to, to our horror, um, after the documentary, we kept, we got all these phone calls and messages in particular, I was very disturbed by one female that had joined and she, she contacted me and said, it still hasn't stopped, Karina. It's actually got worse. And, and the things you talk about, uh, your reporting officer on one particular mission, continually harassing you, grabbing you by the hips and saying, I'm effing having you now. Yes, yes. Um, that's intolerable. Um, yeah, it was a very, very long six months. Um, you reported that kind of behaviour and your commander says, listen, Karina, do you really want to report this? It's going to be a long six months, that kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah, that's the attitude. And the attitude that that uh, a particular senior officer took said, oh, look, you know, it's just your it's your word against him. We we can't see any of this behaviour when, when we're in his company. Is it is it really that bad? Why don't you you just get on with it? Sure, it's only this lovely phrase. Sure, it's only a bit of banter. Only a bit of banter. You write. If any eighteen-year-old woman asks me if they should join the defence forces, my answer sadly remains the same: hold off until there's real protection in place. It hurts me to say this. This organisation remains, as it proved throughout my thirty-one-year-long career, a dangerous place for women. Yes. And that, unfortunately, was clarified and proven by the write-up from the Defence Forces Commission before the the IRG was was installed and set up. 
So um, a, a, a female member of the that commission stated that it's not a safe place for women. It's, it's a toxic environment still for women. And I suppose the, the real difficulty is that, yes, of course, there are reporting mechanisms, but there may be consequences for reporting. Exactly. And the the complaint system is, is you know, it really needs to be f- taken out of the chain of command. Um, veterans and, and serving members will understand that that um, saying, for example, during my that time was my tormentor. I actually had to stand in front of him and say, I am I am I, I, I want you to stop because he was my chain of command. I couldn't go and complain to the senior officer until I told him he has to stop this, that I am I am not impressed. This is inappropriate behaviour. Please stop. Because if I had gone over him and gone and... You then know, you're insubordinate. Then I'm insubordinate. Yes, I've broken the chain of command. So we're not taking this complaint seriously. Uh, are you reassured by anything that Micheál Martin, who's the, the current Taunish, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Minister for Defence, anything that he has said? Not yet, no, no. Uh, although, in fairness to him, he did say at our meeting that if the IRG report uh, recommends uh, for a statutory inquiry, that he will adhere to that. And I will hold him to that. All right. Um, reaction generally to your book so far from former colleagues? I don't know how many people will have had access to read it. Yeah, only a few of my former colleagues are are, are reading it at the moment. Um, it's a slowly taken off now but so far it's all been very positive there because they're delighted that one one person rang said oh you've just brought me down memory lane and this is brilliant and it's such a great story it really needed to be put in into print yeah there are all sorts of things in it and anomalous things you face like no uniforms that fit women yes. no boots that fit women you know the yes. kit wasn't designed I presume all of that at least has been ironed out yes all of that has, has all... been ironed out which is great to see those yeah. advancements yes uh, you give credit to Tom Clonan for the work that he did and the odium that he faced uh, mm. uh, when he had uh, written his thesis about women in the Defence Forces. And I suppose uh, credit to, to uh, your co-writer, Catherine Rogers. Yes, absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant writer. Yeah, it Catherine makes for a hugely exciting read. Mm. Uh, it really is a brilliant book. Karina, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, the book is called A Woman in Defence, and it is subtitled A Soldier's Story of the Enemy Within the Irish Army. It's available in all good bookstores now. It's published by Hachette. Karina, thank you very much. Thank you, Pat, for having me. And if you've been affected by anything you heard in that conversation, you can contact the National 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline on one 800 The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.